Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Hi, this is Jenny Beth Gardner with the Transformational Education Network called 10.3, and you're listening to the Engaging Missions Radio Show. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Hi, and welcome to the Engaging Missions Show. I'm really glad that you're here. Normally, we talk about a particular person or ministry, but this week's going to be a little bit different because we're talking about the topic of fundraising. We're going to cover things like whether or not raising funds is biblical, the value of vision-focused fundraising, some common pitfalls, as well as key resources and strategies for raising up supporters, and also how you can find out what missionaries need beyond just giving. Scott McClelland is going to join us for the leadership moment. And I would ask something of you, actually a couple of things. First, because this is a little bit different, I'd like to hear from you about whether you like this format for the show. And if you have any comments about that, you can leave them in the comments of the the show notes page or send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com. That comes directly to me. And also, if you found this valuable I would ask that you send it to a friend or a colleague, someone else who you think might find it worthwhile. One other thing, because this is focused on the topic of fundraising, and I know that a lot of people can struggle with this, I wanted to give something away for free. So I'm going to give away one free copy of the Kindle version of the book that Aaron's recommending later on in the show. So listen to the end to find out more about how you might be able to win a copy of that book. All right. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show. I'm really happy that you're here, and I'd really like to introduce to you today Aaron Babyar. Now, one of the things, this is going to be a little bit different than our typical episode in that we're going to focus more on some topics rather than on a, a, a person, although we're going to have a special guest. I hear a lot of challenges from some of my guests that they have that there are challenges in raising funds, and I was talking with Paul Yoder about that. He wrote the software Donor Elf, and he recommended that I connect with Aaron, so I'm really thankful for that. Aaron is he's a fully funded ministry leader, and he has quite a bit on his plate. He's the development director for the National Network of Youth Ministries, and he's also the managing director of Support Raising Solutions. He does a uh, support raising boot camp conference. He he does a lot of stuff in that. And it's a real treat to have him on the show. Again, this is going to be a little bit different because we're going to focus on fundraising. So, Aaron, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Honored to be here. Now, Aaron, before we get too far into this, we are going to focus specifically on fundraising, but I'd like to spend a little bit of time getting to know about you. We know that you're a fully funded ministry leader. We know that part of what you do is help others with their fundraising. First off, how did you even get into that? Oh, thank you, Brian. Um, You know, I've experienced a lot of pain in learning the lessons that that, that come around the whole idea of being spiritually healthy, vision-driven, and fully funded in ministry. So I, I like to spread hope, really. I like to spread hope to ministry leaders and to help equip them to survive and thrive in ministry. So uh, it's, it's really a, it's a pleasure to interact with you about this topic. You know, I, I was a failed fundraiser for about three years. Oh. Um, my, my faith was strong, but my methodology, my understanding of Scripture, my overall follow-through, my strategy— 
Brian, I was really weak in all of that. I just, I did not know what I was doing. I kind of got ruined. I was a youth pastor at one point, and I wrote an email to one of the youth, uh, one of the youth kids' dads, and said, "Hey, we need five thousand dollars for this thing. Would you be willing to help?" And the next day, he dropped off a check for five thousand dollars to the church. So I thought, well, this is easy. I just got to send people notes, and it's going to go simple. And um, then I found out once I uh, got into raising support that it wasn't usually that simple at all. And I, I got really overwhelmed. Uh, in fact, um, I kind of felt like, hey, God, you know, I've put the effort in on my side. Why do I feel like you're not doing your part? Like, God, what, why aren't you stepping up? And, and that, that was kind of a tough place to be. You know, I, I, I knew that, that there were some pieces to the puzzle that I was just missing. So I got kind of desperate, <laughs> to be honest with you. And uh, I researched and, and you know, just basic, you know, Internet searches and, and started looking up different things on fundraising and, and buying books. And, and one of the things I came across uh, was that there was a, a boot camp on support raising uh, that was going to be about a half an hour from where I live. And so I rearranged my life and my schedule to go to that thinking, you know, I think I already know a lot, but since I obviously don't know everything here, uh, we'll see what I can pick up and really got humbled, <laughs> realized that there was a lot of scripture that I had never looked at and didn't really understand. And um, really, really just, I got a chance to go through a boot camp uh, and it helped me a ton. And even though I still had much to learn, I, I kind of got my head on straight at that point. And that was, uh, that was 10 years ago. So um, I've still learned a lot of lessons since then. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. It's not like I went to a boot camp and suddenly I had all the answers to all the questions. But my goodness, I, I had a much better understanding of, of what it looks like to be, to be spiritually healthy, vision-driven, and fully funded, and, and having a blend of all three of those things, not just one or two of them. Well, wow, that's really big. It, it's. I think it's going to be fun because we're going to. We've already heard a story of how you went from failure, you know, from from well, significantly challenged to to accomplishing to the place where now you're actually helping train people. One of the things I'd like to start with, and you've already touched on it a little bit, is mindset or a foundational understanding. Because I hear of fundraising being described as everything from a huge privilege to being intimidating or overwhelming. I even had a guest once that called it something like you have a vision and a calling to do one thing, but then you have to learn how to do this completely different job first. So let's talk about the foundation. Is there a biblical foundation for fundraising? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I I skipped a part of the story there and let me jump into that. So it was many years later, God orchestrated things in such a way that I became the primary facilitator of a new and improved version of the boot camps. And let me tell you, that was not on my radar <laughs> back in the day at all. Um, and I do those on an almost monthly basis now in various locations around the U.S. I'll be in Fort Lauderdale next week. I'll be in L.A. next month. Uh, almost on a monthly basis, we have those. But uh, meanwhile, too, I've been growing part of a growing network that helps train and coach ministry uh, leaders that are trainers and coaches that oversee fund development within their organizations. So I get a chance to work with some of the leaders that, uh, that, that do that for like Awana and Pioneer Bible Translators and SIM and, and many others. And so God has done and is doing things that are well beyond me, Brian. I, I'm just I'm just humbled to be a part of all this and how, how he's building his kingdom. So, you know, the, the idea of there being a biblical foundation for fundraising, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, but I will say it's not a five-minute verse, you know, and bam, you get it. You know, right. it's, it's not right. one of those things. In fact, um, there is about 28 to 30 hours worth of homework involved before attending one of those two-day boot camp training seminars that we do. And, and a bunch of that 30 hours is, is digging into God's Word and researching this topic by, by following the instructions that we give in the, in, in the prep process. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to take the time to exegete all of Matthew 6 and Luke 8 and 1 Corinthians 9 and 1 Corinthians 13, but, but yes, there is definitely a biblical foundation that supersedes culture and national boundaries. 
And so we find it's best when people do the heavy lifting of Scripture reading themselves rather than than just repeatedly claiming, hey, we use biblical methods. Hey, this is biblical. We actually want people to go through the boot camp before, before they ever go through the boot camp to crack open their Bible and research multiple different scriptures because we, we feel that if those attending boot camps do that in advance, that gives them a chance to interact with it personally and get to know it and, and spend the time just kind of soaking it in long before we start building on that scriptural foundation. So the short answer is yes. Uh, the long answer, well, that takes hours, my friends. <laughs> and I, I think I would expect nothing less, right? If you're going to have a solid biblical foundation, it's going to take a minute to cover it, right? So, so one thing that I've occasionally heard is that if we start talking about techniques or strategies for fundraising, that somehow we're not trusting God. It, are, is understanding fundraising and being diligent in that in some way opposed to being trusting of God? No, 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 no. You know, trusting God is is huge. It's gigantic. But the process doesn't start and end with faith alone. Now, let me rephrase that. It probably does start with faith, but it's not faith alone in that, don't get me wrong, you need to trust God. If you don't trust God, let me tell you, support raising for for Great Commission-minded ministry, that is not for you, all right? But if you do trust God, there's also some serious work that you need to do and, and really some mindsets needed to be changed. And, and that was certainly true of myself. Um, you know, I, I really buy into this notion that I'm still being sanctified in my faith. And, and raising support has actually been a big part of that process. Now, I, I'm one of those who never wanted to raise support. So don't think that I'm someone that, you know, was just, you know, I'm just that gifted guy that was really good at it. It was always easy for him. No, no, that wasn't me at all. Those people exist, but they're few and far between. I mean, I I don't know the actual math, but it seems like the people that just God calls into ministry and fully funds and they never have to actually raise a penny, those people tend to be like a point zero 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 one something fraction uh, percentage of ministry workers. Um, so I didn't understand support raising. I wasn't open to support raising to, uh, at first. Once I felt like I had to, I didn't even get into understanding how to do it well. I just took the thing of, okay, fine, God, I'll trust you. Uh, but in various little ways, God made it clear to, to my wife, Marky, and I that this was something that we had to do out of obedience. And wow, I am really thankful that, that we listened because trusting God was huge. But we also had effort to put in on our part. One of the things that we say sometimes in boot camps is we say, believe and have faith that it all depends on God. But meanwhile, work like it all depends on you. Marry those things together uh, because uh, God, God has called you to ministry, not just sitting back and, and waiting for checks to show up in the mail. Well, wow, that's good. So as I'm thinking about this also, you know, I, I suspect that there are sometimes common places where people struggle with even just the concept of raising funds. Is Are there some common things that you see come up that are maybe misconceptions or places where people struggle? Well, a big one is that, you know, some people feel like fundraising is begging. And um, even sometimes we'll, we'll have people that, you know, they're over that in their head. Like they don't believe they're going to beg. But when they tell like there some, some family members like, hey, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm being called into this ministry, and immediately the family member might say, you better not. No one, no one with my last name is going to be out there begging for money. And so, um, yeah, I fundamentally disagree uh, with, with that with that mindset because if you're doing that, then you have to also throw Jesus and Paul under the beggar bus too. So I mean no disrespect when I say that seeing fundraising as, be- as begging is, is simply just being naive, but it really is because people may give a handful of times to a beggar. That is true. They might give to a beggar one, two, three times, but usually that wanes. That goes away. There's no sense of permanency, uh, of permanency or, 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 or just continual giving going on to beggars. But people who are invited to participate in a kingdom-building ministry that is wrapped in the vision of honoring God and fulfilling the Great Commission, often they will give and keep on giving to those sorts of ministries because they feel like they're a part of it. So begging and inviting, they're diametrically opposed. They're completely different. 
That, that's good. And I, I think that touches on the idea of investing in the kingdom. Uh, Absolutely. You know, as I think about giving, it seems like a lot of times our culture thinks of giving as basically a handout. And obviously we're not painting a picture where people can sort of buy into the kingdom, right? You can't do that. But at the same time, there is that investment. What, what kinds of fruit have you seen that bear in the lives of people? Wow, there's there's a lot of fruit there because, you know, people really get, get a sense, particularly when they're communicated well with, that they're a part of it. I, I don't know um, how many people are out there that are in the marketplace and they somehow feel guilty that they're not on the mission field somewhere on the other side of the world. Mm. And, and, you know, I when I get the opportunity and I realize that that's going on with someone, I try and have a heart to heart with them and say, hold on just a second. You are no more or less uh, being obedient to what God has called you to do. When, when, when you're partnering with ministry workers who are able to go there and do that work, you know, you might be an accountant, you might be uh, you know, a, a financial investor. I mean, there, there might be all sorts of different jobs out there. You could be a policeman, you could be a teacher, you know, you could be a banker. doesn't matter. Your, your job doesn't define who you are in Christ. And uh, when, when you are able to, to invest your, your prayer, first of all, and really pray for people that are building his kingdom, when you're able to invest finances and you're partnering with them, to do work that they could not do without the investment, you're just as much a part of the ministry as they are. And quite honestly, it doesn't have to stop there because you can also do other things to connect with the ministry. And I'm sure we, we'll probably talk, touch on that more later in the conversation. Uh, but but uh, I have seen real joy in, in, in the eyes of people that have been communicated back with how their investments are changing lives, and they're excited. In fact, um, I probably got paid one of the highest compliments I've ever been paid by a guy who's on my support team a few months back. I had an opportunity to meet him and his wife. I don't see him all the time, but we went out of our ways to to, to get together. And uh, I just wanted to buy him a cup of coffee and say, hey, thanks uh, for everything you're doing, and uh, just appreciate you, and thanks for being on my team. And um, I didn't have a, a, you know, another ask to do. I wasn't asking necessarily for a a raise. Uh, You know, it wasn't any of that. I just, I pray for these people. I care about them. Hmm. They're not the main people that I minister to with, with the bulk of of my time, but they're on my support team. So I do consider them the people that I get to minister to as well. And he said, Aaron, listen, I got to tell you, we're more excited about giving to the ministry you're doing than any of the other ministries that we're a part of because you communicate with us. You make us feel like we're a part. We're not just some ATM machine to you. Like you care about us and you use the finances wisely. You send a newsletter out every month. Like we're a part of it. Thank you for letting us partner with you in ministry. And oh, by the way, we're going to raise our support by $50 a month. (laughs) You know, so I mean, that's that that guy was joyful and i'm i gotta tell you this family is not a family that's really really well off but they feel like they are a part of something bigger than them and you know what they are because this is bigger than me too and so when, when people are able to marry their prayer and their finances and even sometimes being able to get involved i'm telling you 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 are robbing someone of joy when you don't understand that there's so much more than a potential cash cow Wow, that's that's huge. You touched on so many things. I don't even know where to start except to say that that's amazing, right? That's that's my heart for people in the marketplace is exactly the kind of thing that you're talking about where there's that mutual support, there's that mutual caring. I mean, just to be frank that, you know, when they're in it prayer or praise and worship that they're bringing their partners on either side before the throne of God as though they were there, right? As though that they saw him daily. That's, that's huge. With that, we are going to go ahead and take a quick break. And then we're going to, when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit more from the why of fundraising toward the how. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the foundational missions leadership moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. Hi, this is Scott McClelland with your leadership moment. Thanks for joining us. We're starting a new series today, the title of which is Overcoming Obstacles on the Path to Influence. The subheading might be 
how we get hurt in leader-follower relationships. We're going to dig into this over the next several weeks, and we really have a lot of anticipation that the Lord is going to help us understand some of this stuff so that we can get ourselves unstuck and so that we can continue on the path that he's got for us, the path to influence. And I'll do my best to encourage you with experiences that I've had, some good, some not so pleasant. In any event, I want to take a moment and say thanks so much to the guys over at Engaging Missions. They have helped us stand up the leadership moment as a standalone podcast, and we really appreciate their help. If you don't know about Engaging Missions, please make yourself aware. Get out there and take a look at their weekly podcast slash internet radio show. Very encouraging stuff. And again, we want to say thank you to the guys at Engaging Missions. Our problem, our setup for this week and for the next several weeks is uh, contained in this statement. Uh, Many years ago, I remember reading that only a few people who are called to leadership successfully navigate the obstacles on that path to the realization of their full or mature calling. Let me say that again. Only a few people with a calling to leadership or influence successfully navigate the obstacles on that path to their full and mature expression of influence. When I first heard this, it was somewhat unsettling. Maybe that's putting it lightly. But as I've observed it over the years and as I've thought about it over the years and personally experienced a number of these obstacles and stumbling blocks, I've come to believe it's true. And for that reason, I'm planning and preparing and giving to you some of the keys that I have used to get myself unstuck, to continue to go forward and to make the most of these learning opportunities. Many people with a significant calling to leadership fall short or shipwreck. I'm hoping to put tools in your hands to keep that from being your lot. Stick around. Come back. Check us out as we're starting this new series. We appreciate it very much. I'm Scott McClellan with your Leadership Moment. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a good one. This Leadership Moment was produced in partnership with Engaging Missions. Have your leadership question answered by contacting Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit FX Missions to learn more about how you can grow your leadership and engage in missions. Visit engagingmissions.com for encouragement, insight, and resources from missionaries, ministry leaders, and church planters. All right, we're back with Aaron Babyar, and I'd like to ask him a couple more questions before we get into the, the how part of fundraising. So, Aaron, what's the biggest reason you see people struggling with fundraising? Well, Brian, there's a bunch of roadblocks that we unpack in a support raising boot camp. But to be honest, people are usually their own worst enemies. Um, and I wish that wasn't true, but I, it just is. You know, for instance, fear is a dominant emotion for a lot of support raisers. Yet we know that as Christians, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. So unpacking that can really be key. Hmm. Another big thing is that most people don't understand the topic biblically. Now, I don't blame them. I mean, growing up, I went to church. I was in a family that went to church, you know, five times a week and all that. I yeah. mean, we were just all the time. But the reality is there aren't a lot of Bible studies out there in churches that are focused on why it's biblical to raise support. So, I mean, that's a, that's a couple of things going on there. But meanwhile, some people have had genuinely bad experiences that, that they then kind of hold on to, and it, it cripples their thinking for the future. You know, a parent or a pastor might have said something at one time that they took as near-biblical truth, even though it may have been far from it. Someone may have asked them for money in a really unbiblical way for an unbiblical thing, and they just went, oh, wow. Asking people for money is wrong. So the list here can be endless, but uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, those roadblocks, it's in people's heads. And so we really need to unpack that. And if you could replace maybe just one misconception about fundraising, what would that be? And what would you replace it with? 
you know, that someone, or excuse me, that, that somehow um, developing or, or maintaining a support team is a distraction from real ministry. Man, I disagree with that a hundred thousand percent. So we know, here's an example. We, we know that most people attend a church for the first time. Why? Well, because they were invited. So I believe and really have witnessed that there are people thrilled to partner with me in ministry, and they never would have if I had not invited them to give. And they thank me for the opportunity to give and be a part. And I'm thankful for the opportunity every now and then when I check in on them to to try and meet for coffee or, or Skype if they're far away or, and pray for them and really pastor them. And let me be clear here. They are not a part of my everyday routine, hmm. but my supporters are a part of my ministry because they are in it with me. So a, a quick sidebar here. Yes, I try and spend a few hours each week staying connected with my supporters in some way, shape, or form. Uh, that's a part of my ministry. It's not a distraction from my ministry. And I think that kind of touches on what we said, what you said earlier, Brian, where it's like, wow, I get called into one thing, one thing and I got I to gotta learn something different. I say, yeah, you need to learn this, 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 this other thing that's actually a part of your ministry from go. I mean, we look at what Paul's letters were. Um, a lot of those letters, uh, he, he made references to gifts people were giving. I mean, he, I might be stretching it a little bit here, but the reality is some of those New Testament letters, they're, they're, they're talking about support raising as a part of it. He's giving a report on the work he is doing to the people who are supporting him. A lot of people don't see that. And they don't realize that until they dig into it. And so the misconception that somehow having a support team that you have to, you know, spend some time with or do maintenance with or stay connected with somehow as, as if that's some sort of bad distraction, I just, boy, I disagree with that. That's a, that, 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 that's a poorly thought out misconception. Yeah, you know, when you frame it that way, it almost sounds like a leader being upset that they have to spend time with the people they lead, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So let's go ahead and shift our focus now. I know that you lead boot camps. I know basically nothing. So if I was getting involved, what would you have me do to begin raising support? Well, first of all, let me back up and, and just say that, yeah, around 20% of the attendees at each boot camp are people that, that have already began raising support, but realized that they were like me. They didn't put in the proper effort and time and somewhere along the line that they just went, Wow. I need to get sharpened here. Okay. Uh, so that's pretty okay. common uh, is that we have a lot of, a lot of people that um, they'll come back from all over the world. They come back to the U S and as a part of their furlough or, or whatever you call it, they're, they're taking time to say, okay, I need to learn some better biblical principles here about support raising. So however, the remaining folks um, can take anywhere from, you know, 60 days to a year and a half to raise their full support. Hmm. It's hmm. really different for everyone. Uh, actually, I have some good friends with a large family that it took them just over a full year working full time to develop their support team. And I, I met with them regularly. She used to be on staff with me. I went to college with them, with both of them years ago. And she told me several times, man, this this feels like it's taking too long. But in hindsight, they're fully funded, living in a foreign land, and they're able to feel like um, they're really connected to their supporters. They feel like their supporters are, are in it with them for the long haul. Um, meanwhile, you know, a, another example, some young adults, they have no kids. They got no college debt. They have a low cost of living. Um, they usually can raise their support pretty quick compared to someone like me that has a wife and four kids. So it's not a race. And, and one of the things that I want people to understand when they're beginning to raise support, please hear me here. God does not need you. I mean, he just doesn't need you. And, and, and he's honoring you by calling you to do this ministry that he's put in front of you. That urge, that desire you have to get out there and do it. I don't think that's a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but the idea that we push in concert with that is to be, again, spiritually healthy, vision-driven, and fully funded. If you're lacking in one of those areas, I, I dare say you're not really ready to report to the field yet, 
or you need to get off the field and get those three areas in, in place. Because w- within a boot camp, we give some more specific examples and some potential time-saving ideas. But honestly, how much time it's going to take, that's one of the biggest questions people have, and it's hard to answer because it's different for everyone. And so within that, I'd say, boy, time, th- though it's important, time isn't your biggest issue. Uh, you you need to be able to you need to be able to understand what you need that that's your biggest issue and that's where we come back to spiritually healthy vision driven fully funded. So can we maybe put a little bit more flesh on the um, the whole fully funded thing? And the the reason I'm asking is because it, I think maybe there's a discrepancy between thinking somebody's fully funded simply when they have enough money to have food versus somebody <laughs> who has a, a ministry that has actual honest-to-goodness expenses that are involved with it and perhaps even a staff. What does fully funded look like? Great, great question, Brian. Listen, there, one of the things that, that there's a dichotomy that we dig into is, is being budget-driven versus being vision-driven. Mm-hmm. And, and budget-driven values money over time. It values money over uh, really vision. Being budget-driven uh, values a minimum amount of finances really over all else. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think budget is a bad word, okay? I, I've done the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University Entre Leadership. Like, I, I'm pro-budget, so mm-hmm. don't, don't misconstrue what I'm saying here. But when your budget drives your vision, it makes your vision very tiny. When your vision is what's driving your budget, things are a lot more healthy. So a vision-driven focus invites people to partner with you in, in prayer and, and internal investments at, at a minimum. But um, what, what, what I've seen is that if you just have a budget-driven, it, it, it boxes you in. So don't get me wrong. We don't advocate a luxurious lifestyle for a ministry worker, but the vision needs to be the driving factor of the finances as you're looking at, full, at being fully funded. So God's resources are abundant, and we are attempting to build his kingdom. So finances, they're just a tool. They're not the point. Uh, so asking people to partner with their prayer and their pocketbook, it should really feel like an invitation to walk this road with you because it's bigger than you. And part of that then is is having a vision-driven budget. And so, you know, it's not just, um, well, I can I know that I can go behind the bakery at midnight and pick up their bread every week, and I can save some money there. Um, I, I know that uh, this one school would be really good for my kid, but this other one is, uh, well, it's, it's closer and it's cheaper. Like, it's, it's getting past that. And, it's, it, and again, we're not saying live luxuriously, but our definition of, of uh, being fully funded is having the funds that your family and your ministry can thrive. And so uh, just barely having enough to buy groceries, I I don't think that that's probably good enough. Um, You need to work that out between you and Jesus, but I'll give you a good example. We had a guy that came to uh, uh, the the boot camp that we taught in Oakland last fall. Real nice young man, very, very respectful, good guy, good guy. And as we unpack this a little bit more, this concept of of being budget-driven versus being vision-driven as as you're looking at your finances, at one point he just raised his hand and he goes, okay, I get it, Uh, and I'm your bad example. I was like, what What are you talking about? He goes, well, a lot of people here, if they're not from this area, they flew here and they're staying in a hotel. And he goes, they they have energy. Um, They're awake. They're not exhausted. Like they're learning stuff here. He said, I took a bus. I am staying in a youth hostel. It took me an hour and a half via public transportation to get over here today. And it's going to take me an hour and a half again tonight, tomorrow, to get back to where it is. He goes, I am exhausted. Now, I saved a couple few hundred dollars doing it this way, but I let my budget drive coming to this boot camp. I, I should have let the vision drive. I, I should have flown here. I should have got a hotel room so that I could be fully focused so I could learn this stuff better. This guy was telling on him, telling on himself. <laughs> but man, do I see missionaries do the same thing. Let's see how, how cheaply can we do this. And that somehow becomes holy? That somehow is more godly than, 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 than being able to go, hey, if, if we do this thing, it costs a little bit more, but look how it's going to impact more people. Mm-hmm. You know, so it really is. A, it really is a, a a very big deal. And you know, I, if if I can answer this question a second way with another personal example, yeah, 
we had a lady that stand that stood up at the end of a boot camp, and this this rocked me. It still does. Um, I tear up as I tell this, but it happened. She stood up, and uh, I was at the very end. And we always give people a chance just to just to share briefly how God's been impacting them as they've dug through the Scripture, and just to kind of get it off their chest a little bit about how God's been blessing them. And she said, "You know what? I was a missionary kid, and I grew up overseas." She said, "I was angry." at God over how we grew up. And she goes, I'm realizing some of that had to do with the fact that my parents were more budget-driven than vision-driven. She goes, they did not have enough resources to do some of the ministry that was right in front of us that would have been so easy for them to do, but they refused to invite people to partner with us. She goes, meanwhile, I was malnourished. My brother and sister were malnourished. We were sick. She goes, there's poor And then there's this whole other level of poverty that we were, and we were the missionaries. It was ridiculous. It was unnecessary. So when God called me now as an adult to go into full-time ministry, my first reaction wasn't, oh, God, thank you. My first reaction was, God, how dare you? I have children. You can't do to them what you did to me. This lady was crying. Mm. And then she said, but now I get it. I need to be vision-driven. It is okay. In fact, it's godly. It's biblical to invite people to partner with me. My ministry can thrive. My family can thrive. It's okay if my kids get shoes. It's okay if my kids eat well. It's okay if if if, if someone's on the soccer team. You know, like I, we don't have to intentionally be poverty driven as if that's more spiritual. We need to build this ministry for the kingdom of God. It's going to cost finances. That's okay. So, that whole concept of being fully funded, that's certainly something we spend some time on in boot camps because there's a lot of uh, mental baggage that people bring in with them around that topic. But we have fun with it. <laughs> we have a lot of fun, actually. We play some games. like We do some things to kind of unpack it in kind of a safe way where suddenly people go, oh, hey, that budget I brought with me, it probably needs to go in the trash can. I need to start again. And we know that, that that's going to happen, but but that's okay. We think that's all part of it. Wow. Yeah, so as you're talking, I've got like a zillion different questions going in my through my head, and obviously we can't get to all of those. But I did have some of the, the former guests of the Engaging Missions show had sent in some, some questions, maybe some things that they struggle with or some, some things that they're wondering about. One thing that someone sent in was, and I'll go ahead and summarize it, but they, they've decided in their heart, they understand that it's really not about the money, but they find that when they're setting appointments to try and talk to people, if somebody's already decided that they can't, give, they don't even want to get together for coffee and just grow the relationship. Have you found any ways to to bring that conversation around so that it can be mutually edifying? Yeah. Um, every every single support raising appointment goes differently. There's, there's no two <laughs> that, that are like ever. Um, and I was mentioning the vision-driven focus and, and, and how inviting somebody to partner is, is it's a big deal because it's bigger than either one of you. And um, sometimes that, that's something that, that needs to be skillfully kind of illuminated um, is, is that, hey, I'm, I'm inviting you to be a part of something here. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. And, um, you know, if you, if you can't for some reason, that, that's okay. You know, that's between, that's between you and Jesus. We're still friends. Uh, but uh, I'm going to invite you to be a part of this here uh, and, and just kind of, you have to kind of feel that out. But I will say there are times and there are ways, and we, did, we definitely dig into this during the boot camp, uh, of kind of setting that up before the appointment, uh, making sure that people understand that, um, you know, even how you ask for an appointment it's kind of a big deal in, in the first place, okay? Uh, so in many cases, you know, I've learned to kind of preempt the pre-no, if you will, by saying something like, hey, can I just buy you a cup of coffee and, and share about this vision for ministry that I'm focusing on and some financial goals with it and really just how God is up to something that's awesome, that's bigger than you or me? Could, could we do that over a cup of coffee? And then if they just start saying no, I, I, I kindly interrupt or I jump in when I get a chance and I say, hey, having coffee it's not a promise you're going to give this, give me or this ministry any money. Um, it, it's just a promise that I'm going to share with you about what God's up to. Whether or not you give financially at some point, that's kind of somewhat beside the point. I'm really not going to twist your arm, but can I at least buy you a coffee and we can we can talk about it? 
So I see, I believe that that part of being spiritually healthy is being able to invite someone to hear about what you're doing without your emotions running amok <laughs> and over, you know, worrying too much about their answer, whether it's a yes or whether it's a no or whether it's a maybe, we also feel like you need to be ready for their answer and, and you need to be God honoring in your response. But if you are inviting, one of the things I challenge people to do all the time is find joy in being faithful that you're inviting people to partner with you in something that's bigger than either one of you. That's awesome. Whether or not they say no, that's kind of between them and Jesus. I mean, absolutely, I get it. You need to have enough yeses to be fully funded. So you're going to hear a lot of no's and a lot of maybes before you get enough yeses. That's that's a part of it. Uh, but but really keeping a healthy perspective and all that where it doesn't just ruin you when you hear a no, uh, that, that kind of goes back to being spiritually healthy. You, it's possible that you just answered this in terms of your approach to uh, inviting somebody to to hear about what God's doing. I'm just wondering, as people are raising funds or as people are maintaining and building these relationships, what kinds of things have you seen work really well? Well, first of all, people being devoted to really digging into Scripture first and and seeing support raising as a part of their vision and, and then arranging their time and their schedule to gain maximum momentum in developing their team, that works really well. When they like totally interrupt their life and go, man, this is what I got to do. That works really well because uh, it, it kind of gives them permission to to put on pause, even helping out at the soup kitchen. Um, it, it gives them permission to put on pause being on the softball team. It gives them permission to put on on, on pause um, their community group. Like really being devoted to digging in to to the scripture and spending the proper time to really see that hey, this is important. This is what I need to do. I, I think that's key because often, Brian, what I see, so the opposite question is what doesn't work so hot, mm-hmm. <laughs> is people that go, well, yeah, I'm going to kind of raise support, you know, as I go. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll do it on, you know, on, on nights and weekends uh, when I have time. And they think they're raising support 20 hours a week and it's more like 10. Or they think they're raising support 10 hours a week and it's more like four. And what I've found is that uh, the people that It takes every minute that they have, and they have to be intentional about it. I mean, there are certain things that have to happen. You need to, you know, I'm a big advocate. You need to try and take your wife on a date every week. You need to have some one-on-one time with your kids every week. I'm not saying sacrifice that, but beyond that, man, sky's the limit. You know, really, really make sure that that you're focused, your your time and your efforts on, on growing your team as quickly as you can. There is some momentum in that. Like it really takes off a lot quicker. And so I think organization and time management is by far one of those things that works very well to to get people where they're going. Okay. Yeah. And I guess, you know, maybe just one other question to kind of tie a bow on this section. And it's specific to some of the guests that I've had on the show. Uh, I know before we were talking, I think I mentioned that about 40, 30 to 40% of the guests of this show are overseas missionaries. And one of the things I hear is that it's really hard to maintain and even build and grow new relationships across the miles. Have you found anything that works well for that? Well, you know, first of all, let me say this. Biblical principles, they work across all borders. Mm. So uh, it works across all people groups. I mean, they just work, period. And so there are slight caveats of different ways you might do and ask. There are little things that we train in boot camp that you might need to make more culturally relevant. Uh, So we're not saying it always has to be done the the American way, so to speak, but... um, we think biblical principles do apply across across our borders, and so. Uh, but you know, in, in asking about if you're asking about Americans living elsewhere, mm-hmm. asking Americans, well, yes and no. Um, some have had a tremendous amount of success with Skype, but the reality is, Skype can be pretty limited. There's just something less personal about video calls. I mean, you, you're looking at the person face to face, but you don't realize that the dog's sitting by their feet. I mean, there's just all these, there's these little intangible things you can't quite pick up on. Uh, but you know, if I didn't have any other choice, well, absolutely. I, I would use Skype or zoom or some other video product um, to help. Um, but I'll tell you this, the people who do the best are those who tend to, to take a time, to put their normal ministry duties on pause and do whatever it takes 
to really build their team up and, and just knock it out. So even if that means living in the States for a few months or, or longer, what, what, whatever it takes to, to, to get a full team so they can go back and thrive. And to be honest, I, I've heard this question probably a dozen different ways. And there's always a few people who are thinking, oh, Aaron, you don't understand. My ministry needs me. If I'm not here, mm. and again, I disagree. I mean, I, I mean that in, in love and compassion, but, but I disagree. God doesn't need you. He loves you. He honors you, but he doesn't need you. He can do things without you. In fact, he has for many years, and he will many years after you're gone. Uh, you know, I led a really large youth ministry at one point, and some of the wisest words I ever heard was when some church politics started going really haywire, and uh, an older godly leader from a different congregation, he kind of got wind of the situation, and he took me aside, took me to coffee, and he just said, hey, you are not a failure, but God doesn't need you. It might feel like it, uh, but these kids in the youth group, they don't need you. They're God's kids. They're not yours. You need to step away from that unhealthy situation. God's not done with you, but the best thing for you and your family right now is from, and again, this is an older guy that I just, I knew him a little bit, but I didn't realize how he was going to speak into my life. He said, hey, the best thing for you and your family right now is you need to get away from these church politics that are tearing at the Great Commission that you're working on. Do not give up on ministry, but you need to step away from this season of life. You need to at least step away from this ministry. It, I got to tell you, Brian, that hurt. I did not want to hear that from him, but he was straight up accurate. I mean, he was right. So, you know, my, my, what I would just really encourage someone, if you're living overseas and you're, you're doing ministry work and you're underfunded, let me first say my heart goes out to you. You know, God honors you in using you, but please don't ever think that he needs you. You know, things might not get done for a while. That's true. Uh, and you can bring that up in your support raising asks. I mean, you can let people know, hey, I am really eager to return as soon as possible. I, I want to relaunch some things. Actually, that can work for you. That can give people motivation to get on board because like, oh, man, I need to help him get back there. You know, I mean, seriously, that, hmm. that can work in your favor. But um, don't until you're fully funded. You need to have enough funds for your family and your ministry to thrive. So if you're operating at like 80 or 90% or less, you know, I humbly suggest that you need to really think and pray about putting your current work on pause until you're up over 100%. Your family and your vision from God are worth it. So get more training on raising support if you need it. I mean, come... Come hang out with me at one of these boot camps we do. But uh, even if you can't do that, plan to take however long it takes to actually get your house in order so that your ministry can go beyond its current, quote unquote, good enough margins. And if somebody did want to go to one of these boot camps, where can they find more information about where they are and that kind of stuff? Uh, Well, supportraisingsolutions.org. We update uh, that monthly. We usually have uh, four months' worth of uh, boot camps printed in advance. Uh, for instance, uh, April's Fort Lauderdale, May's Pasadena, June is Dallas. Um, August and September, I can't officially announce. Uh, October is Tulsa. Next January is San Diego. Uh, there are some others in between, but we don't officially announce them until we have signed a contract with hosts because there is an awful lot that goes into these. This is not like any other seminar you've ever been to. In fact, I've had several people go, hey, the information is fantastic. Thank you. Um, who put this together? Because this is I've never had more fun learning about stuff, and I cannot take credit for any of that. I, I feel like the guy who walked in on, a, on someone making a hot fudge sundae, and I, I got to put a cherry on it, and somebody said, hey, Aaron, good job. And I'm like, um, I only did the cherry, but uh, <laughs> it's just a lot of fun. I mean, these boot camps are great fun, and you learn a lot, and you connect with other ministry leaders from other ministries. It's a really safe environment, and um, people really – like it, it, it's a high watermark for, for a lot of people. So supportraisingsolutions.org. Good deal. With that, we're going to go ahead and take one more quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus one last time toward the people in the marketplace. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Missions Show. 
most of the kids were you know smoking and skateboarding and BMXing and that's about it. And it was a really rough crowd. And he was like, man, I, there's nobody there. And so um, he talked with some of the youth pastors and I think he probably got a little bit of uh, uh, so, some ideas and a little bit of vision in, in doing that. And one thing led to another and he funded a skateboarding ministry. And why, why I say funded, he helped pay, uh, really pay the salaries to have a few guys part-time skateboard and put on like skateboarding, like demonstration and shows. And he would travel around the area and would use it as a, as a mouthpiece. And they would share the gospel over a loudspeaker after some of their demonstrations. Uh, and, and several of the guys that were the skateboarders, they were either guys that were getting into youth ministry or they had youth ministry degrees. I mean, he didn't just get people he could get, that could skate. He got people that could skate really good, that really loved Jesus, that were willing to share their faith. And so, the guy that like ran this, the guy that funded it, if you will, this dude couldn't skateboard worth anything. <laughs> he wasn't a skateboarder, he, but he's successful in business. And he saw an opportunity to try and connect with, uh, with, with youth workers, to try and reach the youth uh, ar- around his region. And so, you know, I have a couple more examples like that where marketplace people, they love Jesus and they have some funds. But it's not just about, you know, giving their giving their money to another church, nothing against giving money to churches. Uh, but like they they wanted to see something tangible happen in a certain area. And so they did it. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. All right, we're back. Aaron has just tied a bow on a section with just some really good information about boot camps and some of the things that they have. But now we want to take what might be a little bit of an unexpected turn. And to be quite honest, this might be a little bit self-indulgent, but I hope it applies to you as well. Because if you're like me, you're thinking, man, I care deeply about missions and ministry, but I feel called into the marketplace. And I'd really love to be able to give more resources than I actually have. And so I'm going to ask Aaron some questions about how I or you might be more involved in helping a ministry leader or a missionary raise some funds. So, Aaron, if we think about somebody who's overseas or out of town, how can the the rest of us who are back home, so to speak, how can we help them raise support? Well, number one, and this might sound like a total Sunday school answer, but actually pray for them, like for real. Like, don't just pray for them. Tell them you're praying for them. Um, message them, email them and say, Hey, I am really praying for you, uh, with, with this. I'm, I'm your partner in this and this is important. I mean, and be real about it and be intentional about it. Don't, don't make it a throwaway. Dear Jesus, I, I pray that they'll raise funds. Amen. I mean, I'm not saying you can't do that, but like really spend some time praying for them. And, and, and more than once, I, I think we, we tend to undervalue prayer in all this. It's a very spiritual thing, uh, to, to, to invite people. To, to partner with you in ministry. And so if you have you know missionaries that you know are needing to do that or that are doing that, be, be praying for them. So um, another thing that I would do, uh, if you are in the marketplace and you have the opportunity, is, is get a few-day window when you know the missionary is going to be in town. Um, get their permission in advance to set up some meetings for them, but, but not group meetings. Set them up some, some one-on-one uh, meetings or, 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 or even, you know, set them up with a couple, but may, and maybe even set them up with one or two meetings with like in the missions committee at your church or, or, or something along those lines. Don't stick them in large group settings. Um, we, we have definitely found that people are, are more, uh, open to giving when they're asked personally than when they're asking a group. Um, and so help them out. You know, somebody that's, uh, that, that would be interested in potentially partnering with them, pave the way and say, man, you've got to meet my friends. They're only going to be in town from Africa for a few days. Uh, can you come over to my house for coffee? And I'm, they're going to be over too. Like make it easy for them. It's like, you know, I, I, my, my, I was a baseball player. My sons are baseball players. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, my son right now, he's about six, one 185. He can just crush the ball. I mean, he's just a big dude. Um, but, you know, when he was when he was little, we used to play t-ball, and we put the ball on the tee. And now, if I put a ball on a tee, I mean, he, this kid can hit a curveball. So to hit a ball off a tee is like the simplest thing in the world. I, I look at it that way. If you know somebody that would be a potential good ministry partner, 
that's like putting a ball on a tee. Uh, you know, hand hand the bat to your missionary friend when they're going to be in town and let them step up to the plate and give a good whack at inviting somebody else to partner with them. So that's a couple of things. Um, I think another thing that will probably stump the chump, so to speak, is sometimes you just need to ask people a question they haven't heard very much and say, hey, how can we do more for you than just sending money? Hmm. And just allow them to answer and allow them to not have an answer and to get back with you. That's okay, too. Um, you know, but some of the answers that you that you might not hear, uh, but you you could potentially ask if you wanted, is organizing care packages. Um, maybe it's for them and their family. Maybe uh, it's for the people they're ministering to. So organize some care packages from your family or from your your small group of church, or maybe from your church, or maybe from your Sunday school class. But you can do things, uh, a lot of things for them that involves other people uh, by, by organizing and sending care packages. Another thing might be to advocate uh, to a mission team to send some short-term people to encourage and help them for a time. Now, be careful with that. That can be a blessing, and that can also be a curse. Right, I've had right. missionary friends say, oh, I, I don't need another uh, mission team to come visit me. I don't get anything done for a week and a half. Right. So, I mean, be, be very careful with that. Uh, but, you know, be, be a blessing uh, to, to missionaries and say, hey, if we were to send some short-termers just to kind of hang out with you or to actually do the work, how would you like that to work? Or how would you like that to look? Listen, one time I had an opportunity to go visit a friend in South Africa, and um, we'd known each other for years. We'd been in each other's weddings, uh, and I just felt really called just to go and do just like member care, like just go love on the dude. So I had no agenda at all. And when I got there, he st- he went into like, you know, like tourist mode. Like he's like, well, you want to see this? You want to see this? You want to see this? And I was like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And finally, he's like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, Kevin, I'm here to see you, bro. I, I don't care what we do, whatever you want to do. And he had this look of like astonishment and thankfulness in his eyes. And he's like, what? And I'm like, really? I was like, do your, do your stuff. I'm just honored to hang out with you and be here. And all of a sudden he went from talking about, you know, swimming in shark cages and going on safaris and all this stuff that he thought I want to do to, Hey, you want to go in the township with me? I got some Bible study that I want to do with some guys. Like, yeah, absolutely. He told me later on that meant more to him than any visit he had ever had by anybody ever because I was just being there with him. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're in the marketplace, can you do that? Can you maybe take some of your vacation time and, and just go hang out? And don't bring judgment. And even tell them in advance, I don't need to be, I don't need to be wined and dined. I just love you guys. I want to see what you're doing. I want to be able to tell other people about it. That that can mean a lot. Um, so, um, you know, another crazy thing that you could do. But if if you're in the marketplace and you want to you want to bless someone who's in full time ministry, do something for them that no one else has probably ever done. You know, for instance, and this is going to sound a little nuts to some of you, but. Uh, Plan for them a real honest-to-goodness vacation for their next visit. Like, go all out. What, what, about, what about sending them to Disneyland for a week with their family with the expectation that their family has to do some serious R&R and then hand them a wad of cash and say, hey, this is to pay for your food and travel. We expect you to just be a family and not be super ministry people for a week or two. I mean, there are crazy cool things you could do like that and be a blessing that goes beyond just a few bucks. Um, and, and, and be really wary. If you ask him, uh, someone who's in ministry, Hey, how can I do something more for you than just sending money? If they answer, well, we just need money. Beware. Just be aware of that. Cause first of all, that's not true, but it might actually feel true to them. So it might be a legitimate need. I'm not discounting that, but it's probably an indicator that they need more training in biblical support raising. First of all, um, and so really kind of dig in past that. Secondly, you know, ask safe questions, tell them that, Hey, you know, what? I'm not, I'm not daddy Warbucks, but I would like to talk to you more about how can we, how can we fix this, this temporary cash flow problem? Cause I do think it needs to be temporary. Maybe you're going to help sponsor sending them to a boot camp. Maybe you're going to help get them some resources. Um, uh, but yeah, there's a lot you can do beyond 
writing a check. There's a lot you can do beyond having auto pay set up. Those are wonderful things. I hope you are doing that. But I think you can think uh, deeply and, and focus some good time and energy on really blessing ministry workers that are you know overseas or in the States. Well, this is good stuff. I feel like I could probably just let you keep talking for a couple hours, but we are coming up on the one hour mark, so we do need to tie a bow on this. I'm wondering, are there any tools, resources, books, something that you'd recommend for our listeners? Yeah. You know what? Can I say one more thing before I get into that? Yeah, please do. Okay. So if if you're calling the marketplace, I just want to say, be careful that you never allow yourself either to think that you're paying somebody to do ministry because you're not. You're partnering with them and doing the ministry. Allow that to sink in and, and make sure that they're letting that sink in too. Um, if God leads, you know, you can do a lot of different things. But when you see yourself as a ministry partner that's looking out for them, uh, it can go a long way. It can help you learn to integrate communication with, 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 with them and, and helping them integrate their communication with the support team because that, that's all really important. If they're not communicating well, a vision-driven communication, not just, hey, we need more money, but the vision if they're not communicating that well or if they're not fully funded, please be loving, but insist that they get some more training. Uh, insist that they grow in that area. They might feel a little resistant. One of the biggest fights I've had in the last couple of years was with a mission, missions friend of mine who insisted that he knew all about raising support, and he was at like 60%. And I was like, man, I can't even believe you're arguing with me right now. So you got to be really careful with it. I mean, you want to you wanna be loving, uh, but you are not paying them to do ministry. You're partnering with them and doing ministry. So, okay, thank you for letting me see my piece on that. No problem. How about uh, books, resources, tools, anything that you'd recommend? Absolutely. Hey, um, my friend is named Steve Shadrach, and he wrote a book called The God Ask, and it has changed lives. And that might sound like a pretty crazy overstatement, except I've had several people tell me this book changed my life. So uh, we use that actually as a primer for the boot camps, but you don't have to wait uh, for a boot camp to get your own copy. You can download it on on Kindle. Uh, You can order it from Amazon. But the name of that book is The God Ask by Steve Shadrach. Um, Also, I have a friend by the name of Jen Fortner, and actually that's her website is J-E-N-N. Fortner, F-O-R-T-N-E-R, jenfortner.com. She writes just a very witty, uh, intelligent blog on support raising, and uh, I'm honored to call her a friend. She is a smart lady, and she really knows her stuff, so I definitely recommend that blog. Um, Also, Support Raising Solutions, we have our own blog and uh, we have a lot of resources that, that you can get to through there. We have a newsletter that comes out every month. Uh, and, of course, we, we sponsor the boot camps. And, and one more thing, um, this, is, this is a brand new thing that um, has never been done before. Uh, there is something out there called Symposium. For, uh, and it's, it's kind of a support-raising conference that happens every couple of years. In fact, we're very supportive of it, uh, and, and we love uh, that it exists. But we are actually at Support Raising Solutions doing a different conference this year, and it really has a very different feel. Uh, it's called CLIMB. It's a support-raising leaders conference, and it's only for support-raising coaches, support-raising trainers, and executives within mission organizations that are trying to learn what's the best way to implement uh, like good policy and good structure organizationally around support raising. Because the dirty little secret that a lot of people know and few people talk about is we have a lot of underfunded mission organizations with a lot of underfunded ministries that are very limited in their capacity because they never really raise up their support team. And so we're trying to help uh, solve that issue by having good conversations and bringing in some great speakers to, to talk on that topic. So again, that's not for everyone. It's not for rookie support raisers. Uh, it's really for executives and people that coach and train on support raising, uh, but that's called CLIMB. That's October 11th through 14th in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, so that's a handful of, of the uh, the resources that, that are available for the listeners. 
Good stuff. Thanks for sharing all that. For those of you who are listening, this will all be linked up in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Aaron Babyar. Now, Aaron, thank you so much for being here. Oh, oh, and before I go, for those of you who are listening, make sure you stop by next week because Aaron's going to be back and we're going to be talking about something completely different. We're not talking about fundraising, but we are talking about something. Aaron, thanks for being here. This has been wonderful. Yeah. Can I throw in one final piece of advice? Go for it. This might sound self-serving in all this, but I just want everyone to know, I don't get paid to lead support raising solution boot camps. Um, my salary comes from my support team. So hear me out. Like, like many probably hearing this podcast, I really had reached a bunch of half-baked conclusions years ago, and support raising really wasn't going well for me. There's a lot of bad ideas out there and a lot of missionaries perpetuating them. So uh, doing all the preparation for a boot camp and digging into the scriptures and then going through the boot camp training it got me restarted off on a much better biblical footing that eventually led me to having a strategy and dedication to becoming fully funded. So I went from being budget-driven to being vision-driven, and that really has made all the difference. I'd like to say one more huge thank you to Aaron Babyar for taking the time to do this. I found it very insightful, and I hope that you did as well. If you are interested in one of the boot camps that he talked about, You'll find links to that in the show notes, which are at engagingmissions.com slash Aaron Babyar. And also, at the beginning of the show, I mentioned that I'm going to be running a contest so that if you're listening to this and you would like to get a free copy of the book that he recommended, which is The God Ask, you can do that. So the only thing I'm asking you to do if you would like an opportunity to win a copy of the book is leave a comment in the show notes, which are at engagingmissions.com slash Aaron Babyar, saying, I'd like to get a free copy of the book, and just let me know a little bit about why. It doesn't have to be super revealing. It doesn't even have to be for you. In fact, if you'd like to leave a comment because you know somebody that might find the book valuable, you're welcome to do that. Before I send that free copy of the book, I will definitely shoot you a note and see what email address you want it to go to. And that doesn't have to be yours. It's absolutely fine. I really want to do this as something to pour into the kingdom and, and give a little bit, you know, because, because generosity is important in what we do as on this side, as well as for a missionary or a church plant or some kind of minister. That generosity is really important. The show notes again, engagingmissions.com slash Aaron Babyar. One other thing. The God Ask is also available from audible.com, so you can just get a free book by going to engagingmissions.com slash free book, and then choose The God Ask as your first download if you'd like to do that. Then just don't forget to come back next week, because Aaron Babyar is going to return, and we're going to shift our focus from fundraising to networking, which is probably not something that we think about a lot, but can be incredibly valuable in the kingdom. Thanks for listening to The Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.